Thanks for joining us and supporting Vicky Doe Fitness. We ask for your continued support by becoming an It's All About Health and Fitness premium member. Go to www.vickydofitness.com forward slash join. Again, that's www.vickydofitness.com forward slash join and register for a $6 monthly subscription. And remember, keep listening, sharing, and checking us out. The views and opinions expressed are for general informational purposes only. Consult with your physician or medical health care provider for medical advice, diagnosis, and or treatment. Today, we talk about your child with speech and language delays. Research shows that speech and language delays affect 6 to 7% of children at school entry level. As parents, teachers, and community, what are the best practices to help and support a child early on? Joining us is Dr. Sabine Balat, a physician and author of her children's book, Noel Finds Her Voice. With this book, Dr. Sabine relates and tells the story of how a child may struggle with speech and language delays, but with the help of a team, parents, and resources, a child can find their voice and live a fulfilled life. This is truly a heartwarming and uplifting story and book. All this and more on It's All About Health and Fitness. Welcome to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. This program is brought to you by Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum. Now, here's your host, Vicki Doe and D. Banks-Bright. I'm Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe, and with me is the one and only Dr. Virginia D. Banks-Bright. How are you? Hello, Vicki Doe. How are you? I am fine. And like we say, hey, it's sunshine. Woo-hoo. I know. I got sunshine on a cloud day. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I'm remembering, too, that I'm supposed to be getting my second shot tomorrow. Oh, are you? Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. So then I'll be fully vaccinated. Now, what does that mean? All right, all right. That means you still can't, people still can't come and breathe up in my face though now. Oh, that's right. (laughs) Right. I know that's right. Now you got to still wear a mask. Still wear a mask. That's it. That's it. But yeah, we are ready and we are here today. And hello, everyone. This is our, I said I better start counting. This is episode 201. And today we are talking about helping a child who may have speech and language delays find her voice. You know, your children find their voice. And so I'm sure some of you have or know someone who has a child that, you know, has struggled with speech issues, some of us personally. 
And so research has shown that speech and language delays affect six to seven percent of children at school entry level. There are programs and interventions that focus on speech and language development and speech and language therapy. But the key strategy is for parents to catch these issues early. Research states that this would mean that professionals and healthcare practitioners who are involved with the children in their early years should make sure that information about typical child development and milestones is readily available and accessible to parents. And this also provides a basis for parents with concerns about their children's speech and language advice. It provides advice and support early on. And so joining us is Dr. Sabine Balat, a physician specializing in family medicine and the author of her children's book, Noel Finds Her Voice. This family-friendly book talks about the journey of a little girl as she struggles with speech and language delays. This is a heartwarming and uplifting book that will help readers to empathize with other kids who may be struggling with the same issues or any child who has ever felt different. And so we can't wait to hear from our friend, Dr. Sabine. Right, Dee? I know, exactly. Yes. Yeah, so this is going to be a great episode. Make sure, guys, that you subscribe to this podcast show. It's all about health and fitness, Vicky Doe Fitness, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or on any of the platforms that you listen to your podcast. When you subscribe to this show, you will be notified when we post a new show and you will be able to listen to our inspirational and motivational health and wellness shows as soon as they are posted. So make sure you go and subscribe to this show today. Also, right now we are showcasing our signature online Vicido Fitness Health and Fitness program, our Vicido Fitness Step-by-Step Weight Loss Boot Camp Masterclass, which is a 12-week comprehensive weight loss program. This is our signature program, our signature online program for you to participate in and to get that healthy transformation that you have always wanted. There's live coaching with me weekly. We have heart healthy recipes, teaching modules, and our own Vikido Fitness exercise training and coaching app that you will have access to daily on your phone, iPad, and other devices. And most of all, you will have social support when you join this program, especially on your weight loss, healthy living journey. And so listen, you can take us with you to the gym. You can have us at your home to help you work out. You can follow us on this online health fitness program. And so we, Vicky Doe Fitness, will be right with you to help you do your healthy living goals. We also will be right at your fingertips 24-7. I encourage you, all of you guys out there, to take that big step. Go directly to VickyDoeFitness.com and scroll down to the bottom of the homepage and press the icon that says Boot Camp to learn more about this fantastic program and sign up today. What are you waiting for, guys? We are offering, guess what? We're offering a 50% discount for the monthly fee. If you use the promo code 
crush, C-R-U-S-H. And so listen, folks, it's time to throw away those excuses and move forward. It's getting ready to be a lot of sunshine and happiness that you want to be out there exercising. So definitely go and sign up for the program. And I can't wait to see you there. And as always, what do we say, D? Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your support. Well, D, yes, the weather is great. And, yeah, I have been doing some spring cleaning. I know you've been, been doing a lot of stuff. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, a lot of stuff, you know. I've been seeing some crops in front of your house. Yeah, we've been trying to get some things situated, some situation going on. <laughs> I know. I'm excited. I want to get my yard all fixed up. I know. So I'm all hyped up and yeah. You guys always have beautiful flowers in the summer. You know, I may have to talk to cat this year, but you guys always have beautiful flowers. All right, whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we love those flowers and everything. I don't plant nothing. I just, you know, tell them what to (laughs) What kind I want, you know. Beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah. But, yeah, I always love it when we have all our flowers. And then I put out out the patio stuff and sit out there in the morning and drink my little tea. Yeah. So I can't wait for that to start happening. Yes, absolutely. Me too. Me too. I know. And so, yeah, you know, Mill Creek Park is opening up. And I'll talk more about the opening and stuff. Mm -hmm. But that's a beautiful park, and people are starting to go. It out. Is. They're starting to go out and walk and stuff, you know. Yeah, you know, people don't realize what a jewel that is that we have. I mean, it was designed, I believe, by the same guy who did Central Park in New York. Yes. Very few cities that have the inner city parks like we do, like Mill Creek. You know, it really is a, a a gem for us to be able to have that facility for walking and and biking, and hiking, and all those other good things. I Bunch know. So forth and so on. Yes, and they've kept it up really nice. Too. They have. Mm-hmm. They have. It's really nice. So I'll be trying to um, explore more of the, the park this summer. That's one of my goals, too. Yeah, I would love to do that, too. So how was your week? Um, It was good. I took a little uh, bit of time off. We went to Detroit just to uh, get a little bit of R&R, stayed in the Airbnb, and just did kind of an outdoorsy sort of art colony kind of thing, walking. They have several galleries that are in and out of places. And, um, you know, I actually had Detroit, really, because there was hardly anybody up there. You know, they're going through this variant situation. But I would have to say the mask wearing up there is way greater than it is in Ohio. Really? And the enforcement of masks is way greater. You come through the door without a mask or come through the door with a mask below your nose, you're not getting in. Wow. And if you're not, if you're at the table eating, if you finish eating and you don't have your mask on, they will come up and tell you got to put your mask back on. So they're not playing. And they all are quoting the governor. This is what the governor says. This is what the governor says. So I was impressed with that. Okay. To the Detroit Institute of Art, which is one of the great museums of art in the country. It was time. You had to get tickets ahead of time. So we got tickets for 12.30, and, you know, they only let a limited number of people through. So that was good. So it was fun. It was really, really nice. Just a nice, uh, you know, Detroit is only three hours away. Right. 
But I have to admit, I looked across the water and there was Canada trying to think, oh, my God, when will it be time? When will the, the, the doors open and the gates open for us to go to Canada? I suspect a long time. It's going to be a while. It's, it's going to be a long time. It may be another year. That's what I'm thinking. That's it's what I'm thinking. Year. If I was Canada, I wouldn't let us in. How <laughs> to act right. <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't let us in. We, we don't know how to act right. We're not wearing our masks. We're not doing what we're supposed to do. And when they tell us to do stuff, we're not doing it. So if I was Canada, I'd keep the door shut, too. That's it. With these hard-headed folks. <laughs> yeah, just, I would say to Canada, just keep looking across the water and, and wishing. That's about it. <laughs> That's about, about it. it. So that was that was my week. Yeah, and you know it's getting a little bit better in the hospital in terms of COVID. We're down to seven in our one hospital. I think they have a total of thirty in all three hospitals. That's better than two hundred and ninety that they had in November. Wow. It's getting a little. It's getting. It's getting some better. I mean, I don't want to get overly a- anxious, and because we don't know what, what the variants are doing, but. The main thing is to get as many people vaccinated as possible. That's the bottom line. That's it. The bottom line. That's it. What is going on this week? Everything, Vicky. Everything really is going on. Everything. Yeah. Everything. Well, but I'll start out, you know, we talked about Mill Creek Metro Parks uh-huh. in Youngstown. They will be reopening up areas of the park and yeah i was going to give a brief history about mill creek like you said it is a gym in our area and it was established in 1891 by volney rogers as the first park district in ohio and so mill creek park is the largest area of the metro parks encompassing over 2658 acres of the metro parks 4500 plus acres and so recreation opportunities you know you can go hiking there biking boating golf fishing tennis volleyball picnicking in the winter cross-country skiing sledding and it's just a lot of things to do there but because of COVID they had to you know close a few of the places and so the big announcement was that as of April the 12th Mill Creek Metro Parks in accordance with the orders from the governor's office, the Ohio Department of Public Health, the Mahoney County District Board of Health, and the Center for Disease Control regarding the COVID-19 virus will begin what they call a phased reopening with programs, events, and facility rentals. So all outdoor-based recreation facilities, education programs, recreation leagues, and or events will be open to the public beginning Tuesday, April the 13th. So that was yesterday. All open air shelters will be open for reservations on their normal seasonal schedule beginning Saturday, May 1st as well as visitation to the Metro Parks. They have the Farm Animal Barns. That will be opening um, May 1st as well. All indoor-related rental facilities, as well as all indoor-based education and recreation programs and events will begin to open to the public on Friday, May 7th. All visitors will be required to follow the outdoor orders and recommended guidelines with regards to mask wearing, social distancing, 
and capacity limitations. So, yeah, things are opening. I, you know what? I did not know it was closed. Yes. Yeah. You couldn't because you know how you would go there and have some people would have their little banquets or their. Well, yeah, their little. That, yeah. Mm hmm. Uh huh. Different facilities, and then they had like you could you could reserve some of the cabins and and stuff like that. Yeah, they closed all that, so now they're oh wow going to be open effective May seventh. But you still got to wear, you know, you still got to go by the guidelines. Oh yeah, yeah, most yeah. Okay, well that's good. That's good. That's all right. I mean, you know, people people want to get out. You know, people are tired. People. People feel like we've been in prison, but, you know, I just say not so fast. It's okay to go out and, and, you know, if you're vaccinated and so forth, but, you know, certainly outdoors is better than indoors. And that's the good thing about Mill Creek Park, that you can maintain absolute good social distancing. Oh, big time, big time. But, yeah, they got they got a lot of... They said a lot of their stuff, though, is currently their outdoor stuff is currently, you know, open, you know, like okay. the, yeah, like the Fellows Riverside Gardens and uh-huh. the bikeway, the Metro Parks bikeway uh-huh. and the golf course. Yeah. But it, it was certain things that they did close down because of COVID. Oh. So, yeah, they're starting I, to reopen. Okay. So that's a good thing, right? <laughs> that is a very good thing. Well, you know, we were talking just briefly before we started. We were talking about the latest with the fatal shooting of Dante oh, Wright. Mm-hmm. So tired of it. Yeah. I guess the officer, Kim Potter, she's a veteran police officer. And this happened in Brooklyn okay. Center, Minnesota. Brooklyn Center, I guess the latest is that she submitted a two-sentence resignation letter but the mayor is not accepting her resignation right he's not accepting that's what i understand too and then the lady today is just before we came on the show i guess he's been charged with the second degree manslaughter and you know that we'll hear of course more about that today so that's an ongoing it's an ongoing situation you know and i I look at, I know Ben Crump, attorney Ben Crump personally, and it's kind of like, you know, if this keeps up, Ben will be employed forever because he's now got the, he had the Trayvon Martin case. Mm-hmm. He has, has had several other profile cases. He's got the, you know, the George Floyd case. And then lo and behold, who knew while he's dealing with the George Floyd case, he's now got to deal with the Dante Wright case. You know, I reflect back because, you know, I lived in Minnesota for two years. Uh-huh. And I reflect back on living there. Vicki, we have hardly had any black people in Minnesota. Wow. I mean, I'm just looking at the change of the demographic in 30 years since I lived there. Mm. Uh, it's completely changed. I mean, we hardly had any black people. But that was the one thing that my kids would notice, that you drive down the street in the cars, and you look over to the left and to the right, it was no black people. But this, you know, this situation has got to stop. You know, here we have another situation, and and thank God for cameras. Yes. You know, we wouldn't see these kinds of things were it not for the cameras showing graphic details of somebody being, a young man being killed. And I just think, you know, what for me was so poignant was I was watching uh, Don Lemon, Mm -hmm. and he was interviewing the aunt of Dante Wright as she was driving from Alabama. She was going to pick up her mother someplace, and they were driving all the way up to Minnesota. 
and he just let her talk. I mean, sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. people are killed or whatever. I look at people on television, and, you know, they come in, and they're like, oh, well, you know, my loved one was killed, and blah, blah, blah. Not that they're not sad. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking to myself, if it, was my, if it was my loved one, I would be screaming and yelling, and, and she did. Mm. She did not hold back. She was just letting it all out like somebody who was severely, significantly grieving mm. about such death. And I just, John Lemon just let her talk. Mm. Let her talk. And I said, now there's the kind of grief that sometimes you want to see after a loved one passes. Because sometimes people are like, oh, you know, they're so reticent and stuff. But yeah, so I, it's just sad. And I guess yesterday the Floyd family went and met the Wright family. So now it's becoming a club whose kids have been been killed by police officers. What's up with that, Richard? That's sick. Isn't that sick? What what kind of club is that? That's a sick club. That's crazy that you would have to have a club what you, you're connecting because of that. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. It's just crazy. You know, my heart goes out to both families, of course, but certainly to this family, the newest family, he's got a little child. He's got a little baby. I know. Wow. Who will never know his father. Often the story, George Floyd had children. Yep. All these people have kids. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, money, you know, even though they're certainly going to go on and get major civil lawsuit settlement, that's not going to bring anybody back. That doesn't bring anybody back. And the. Not the bring anybody back. And the void that that person leaves. Sure. Um, with the family, you know? Absolutely. You know, the dad, you, you, that dad's not going to be able to walk that daughter down the aisle or that, that son's not going to have his father teach him how to play basketball or football or, or learn his lesson or read a book or something. So you're right. That boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So dad. we will we will yeah. definitely. Um, yeah, we'll definitely stay on top of, of that. Meanwhile, the trial is going on. So it's just kind of like, you know, in the middle of a pandemic, we got to deal with this. I know. Well, you know, you always be knowing the stuff on the prints. And the <laughs> Somebody said, are you going? No, I can't go because of COVID. <laughs> <laughs> no, else I'd be on the plane to the UK, right. That's it. But yeah, so I guess Prince Philip, Queen Elizabeth's longtime, what is it, consort? Consort. Will be laid to rest. In a low-key ceremony. So I guess they're talking about this, you know, the ceremony is not going to be, because normally I could probably see the lines already now. Oh, yes. But they can't do that now yes. because no, they of COVID. Do that. And, and I guess he didn't want a lot of pomp and circumstance. He died at Windsor Castle. He had just been in the hospital recently. It was a little bit longer. That's what bothered me, too. It was a little bit longer than He's usually in the hospital, and they said he had some kind of heart disease or whatever, but it just seemed to be a little too long, and then he came out. Mm-hmm. He died. He was age 99, and I was so hoping he would be 100 in June. Mm. nation's longest-serving consort, a term given to the spouse of a reigning monarch. They've been married for 73 years. Mm. And Harry was just coming after he's there now quarantining in Frogmore House, which is the house he in. Meghan Markle uh, lived in before they moved to the United States. But Megan's not coming over. She's pregnant, and I guess her doctor said that uh, she couldn't travel. Everybody remembers they did that explosive interview on 
um, but, but Oprah Winfrey did, that was in March, which they told their side of the story about the risk with the royal family making explosive allegations against some of its members and the establishment. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm kind of glad she's not going for a couple of reasons. I just think that, and this is just me talking. Okay. It's a time, I think, for Harry. Who knows what's going on? You know, I, I, I've said this on Facebook with some friends, and, you know, he, he, he loved his grandfather. He and his grandfather and grandmother had a great relation. At least I don't know him personally, but that's what's said. And mm-hmm. the fact that he was unable to see his grandfather, uh, you know, you knew your grandparents. I didn't really know mine that well. Mm-hmm. But to not be able to see your grandfather and then he dies, how heavy his heart must be. Mm-hmm. And also, I just think it's a time for him to maybe go over by himself, mm-hmm. try to extend the olive branch. Yes. You know, try to do some repairing of family. Because at the end of the day, that's his blood. That's it. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, that's his blood. And I think if she went, it would be too much of a light. Mm-hmm. Press would be all over it, at all over, it, and distracting from the solemn occasion of Prince Philip's death. Mm-hmm. So that's the, that's my opinion. Yeah, and I think that was the, uh, the right thing too. I do too. I, I mm-hmm. think it was the right thing for her not to go. Mm-hmm. His funeral plans had been adapted according to the COVID restrictions, with all the usual elements that involve contact with the public removed. The call. College of Arms, which oversees many of the ceremonial aspects of the royal family's work, had earlier confirmed the Duke would not lie in state mm-hmm. anywhere accessible to the public where he could have been seen, like you said, by thousands lining up. You know how it was that day and when yes. people came just for the wedding. Yeah. And current COVID rules in England limit the number of people who can attend a funeral to 30. And in a nod to the Duke's preference for driving himself without a chauffeur, Coffin will be carried on a land road from Windsor Castle to St. George's Castle. Remember, we saw all of that, Vicky. Yes, we did. Mm-hmm. And the procession will begin at 9.45 a.m. Eastern Time and 2.45 their time in the U.K. and will be led by from Windsor Castle by a band of Grenadier Guards, along with several heads of military units. The Royal Navy Piping Party will pipe the steel while the land rover is stationed at the foot of the West Steps, there will be a gun salute and a national minute silence at 3 p.m. ahead of the ceremony. And, you know, you and I have said, and I have often said, nobody does pomp and circumstance like the Brits. I know. I mean, they got it down. They got it down packed, don't they? Don't they? They got it down. <laughs> nobody does pomp and circumstance like those Brits. So, yeah, may he rest in peace. And like I said, you know, on Facebook, put aside race, religion, and royalty. It was a 73-year-old marriage, and mm-hmm. he was kind of in a situation where, you know, he couldn't get out of it easily, couldn't get out of it, maybe didn't want to get out of it. And, you know, they had, their, I'm sure they had their, their, their trials and tribulations and so forth. We know they did, but, you know, he hung in there and hopefully will leave some kind of legacy in the minds of the, of the, of the Brits. So, yeah, I'm just, I'm glad that there won't be a lot of controversy, and I'm glad that Harry was able to go and maybe try to repair mm-hmm. for the things with his brother yeah. and his father. Mm-hmm. All right, D. At the end of the day, like you know, you said, we say we, it's about family, really. It's about family. That's it. It's about family, yeah. 
Well, D, I couldn't wait because this is the, I want you to tell us the latest with, <laughs> with this vaccine okay. stuff. Yeah. All right. So here's the deal. Okay. Yesterday, Johnson & Johnson, well, I think it probably happened the day before, but yesterday we found out that the FDA, Federal Drug Administration, and Center for Disease Control, has pulled the J&J vaccine. This was the new one-and-done vaccine. Mechanism of action was that it was not a messenger RNA vaccine. It was an adenovirus-mediated vaccine, like the AstraZeneca. Mm-hmm. And the reason was because there were six women, ages 18 to 48, who developed this rare blood clot disorder, similar to something called immune thrombotic thrombocytopenia. So now how was this manifested? Mm-hmm. They got blood clot mainly in a place in their brain called cerebral sinus, trying to see, cerebral venous sinus thrombosis. So in the cerebral venous sinus, meaning that blood was blocked from, from leaving the brain, mm-hmm. uh, causing, you know, uh, hemorrhages, strokes, and so forth. And one woman died. Another woman is severely, you know, is severely sick in the hospital. And then they don't say exactly what situation is with the other four. I got caught off the press yesterday at 1 o'clock from my friend at the CDC, mm-hmm. so the, the most recent information. And their symptoms started anywhere from 6 to 14 days after they got the vaccine. And it was manifested by mostly headache, blurred vision, dizziness, abdominal pain, because some of them had blood clots to the spleen. You know, they all, and the diagnosis was made by all kinds of different brain imaging, whether it's MRI or angiograms or venograms or whatever, and uh, it's of concern. Now, if you look at the number of people that were vaccinated, it's 6.8 million people have gotten the J&J vaccine, so that's essentially one out of a million. Okay. It has not been reported in the messenger RNA, but out of an abundance of caution, the FDA and CDC pulled it, and now today the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practice this is the main immunization committee. Okay. Started meeting about 10 o'clock this morning to look at all the evidence that they have available to them to see where we are with it. So right now it's on a pause, and we don't know whether it's going to come back or be permanently pulled or whatever. So good news is we have an ample supply of the messenger RNA, Moderna, and Pfizer. Johnson & Johnson wasn't really part of the lion's share of the vaccine anyway. I mean, it was gaining ground because, you know, it was being recommended. I think the day before, uh, Governor DeWine was recommending it for college kids. It was good for the homeless. It was good for people that you were doubtful whether or not you could get them back for a second dose. So we'll just have to see. The, the jury is out, as they say, and mm. I don't know, you know. This, but, but the good news is this is how it's supposed to work. They went from 44,000 people in a clinical trial, or maybe 30, I'm not exactly sure, I think maybe a little, around 30 plus people in this clinical trial for the J&J, okay. but when you go from 30,000 to 6.8 million, yeah, quite naturally, something, something you're going to see, yeah, you're going to see something. That's a big difference between 30,000 people, so this is how it's supposed to work, you know, it's yeah. a, the vaccine was released under emergency use authorization as opposed to them having to look at this vaccine for two or three or four years or whatever. And this is what happens. When you start seeing these consistent things, you pull it off and hold it and then evaluate it. So that's the latest. That's the latest. That's the latest. Well, thank you, D. At least we know 
that they're doing the right thing by pulling that they're up. They're doing the absolute right thing. They pulled it up. All right. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Vicki Haywood Doe. I just wanted to break in for a quick second and introduce to you the sponsor and creator of this show. It's the company I own, Haywood Doe Consulting Co., doing business as Vicky Doe Fitness. We are a health and wellness consulting company that specializes in designing and implementing medically integrated applied exercise physiology-based fitness wellness programs, initiatives, events, health promotion, and health education for special populations such as older folks, children, adolescents, overweight and obese individuals, cardiac rehab, women's health, and those who have chronic diseases. We have a team and network of healthcare professionals based out of Northeast Ohio, and we've worked with many companies, schools, churches, and organizations. If your goal is to transform your life by taking a holistic approach to living a life of health and total well-being, get in touch with us at info at To find out more about our own site and online programs and services, go to vikidofitness.com. And now back to the show. Today, we talk about detecting early and helping children who may have speech and language delays. Research has shown that if parents are given information early about typical child development and milestones and provide accessibility for support and interventions, this would help children get help early and be able to meet the challenges and improve speech and language delays. Joining us is Dr. Sabine Balat and author of the inspiring and bestseller children's book, Noelle Finds Her Voice. She will share with us her personal story and talk about her new book and her motivation for writing it. This is a heartwarming and uplifting book for children and parents who may be dealing with the challenges of speech and language delays. So let's listen to the interview with Dr. Sabine Ballard. Here with us today is the phenomenal Dr. Sabine Balat, who is doing amazing things as a wife, mother, physician, and author of children's books. Dr. Balat is a board-certified physician specializing in family medicine and osteopathic manipulative medicine. In addition to her busy life, she has found the time. Dr. Sabim has found the time to write the amazing, the inspiring bestseller children's book, Noelle Finds Her Voice. Now, this is a family-friendly book that allows us to join the main character, young Noelle, in her journey as she struggles with speech and language, language delays. Throughout this beautiful illustrated book, Noelle takes us on the roller coaster ride of the highs and lows of finding her voice like so many other children who are speech and language delayed. Today, Dr. Sabim will share with us our friend, right, Dee? <laughs> uh, absolutely. We go way back, right? <laughs> 
she will share with us her personal story and talk about her book and her motivation for writing it in doing so, and how her book is perfect for kids who struggle with the same issues as any other child who has ever felt different. So how are you today, Dr. Sabine? What's going on, my sister? Hello, Vicki. Good afternoon, Dr. Banks. Thank you for inviting me to your show. I'm just so happy to be here um, with you all this afternoon. I'm doing great. It's a beautiful weather and Georgia. I don't know how it is in Ohio, but I'm sure it is. <laughs> well, well, we do have some sun today, so we're we're lucky. I'm excited. Yeah, we do have some sun today. <laughs> good, 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 good. Just uh-huh. Thank you for having me on your show. Thank you for creating this platform and providing your listeners just, um, you know, reliable, current, um, and education information. Thank you for allowing me to come and talk about my project, my book, Well Finds a Voice and to bring awareness to the speech and language delay in hopes of starting a conversation. So thank you to you ladies. All right. Thank you. So oh, ta- welcome. Yes. Talk to us about your personal story and why you decided to write this wonderful book. You know, talk about speech and language delays and all of that and how it affects you. You know, it's been, it's been an incredible journey thus far. So my family and I moved from Warren, Ohio, Mm-hmm. Uh, three years ago to Georgia, um, and when we came down here, I signed on to be a full-time faculty um, with a brand-new residency program. So I was training um, young, young residency family practitioners. So my contract was up for renewal in around March time, and in January um, 2020, my husband and I decided, um, you know, we would try a different approach. I would take a few weeks off just to rest. See, I've been working since I was 16 or 17 years old. So he said, you know what, you know, why don't you take a, you know, before getting into the new and in, in, into an, a different position, mm-hmm. um, why don't you take a few weeks off? And long story short, I had my plans, but God had his plan. So the first, you know, that, that we will, we, all of us will remember that first two weeks in March of 2020, yes. um, COVID hit and wreaked its habit. Yeah. So, um, you know, prior to that, I thought I was going to be home, home chilling, <laughs> right. catching up with some friends. You know, I have a beautiful pool. I was, gonna, I was just going to sit by there. No, 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 no. So <laughs> I went from being a full-time, <laughs> full-time physician to being a full-time wife, full-time mother, full-time teacher. Huh. Huh. <laughs> so, um, you know, there were some days, like I'm sure all of you, you know, parents, um, you know, where it was challenging mm-hmm. um, being in close quarters with my family for that amount of time you know it, it, it definitely um, was uh, it had its moment so you being nice you being nice um, when I was I'm with all my people I was like well dang do I have to cook <laughs> breakfast lunch and dinner I'm sick of this now <laughs> that, that's what I said I became a full-time wife <laughs> so Sabine uh, Sabine you mean yeah. the residency program went from being in person to hybrid or something like that? I mean, it dissolved all of that? No, it did not dissolve. So my contract, it was a two-year contract. So when it Uh came time to renew in March, just like, you know, um, we decided that I wasn't going to renew it, so I was going to try to Uh um, find a different job, a different position. Uh Uh Because, again, you know, at that point, God had blessed me with a second child, Noah, and it was just, you know, I was finding that I was being um, away from the kids a little bit too much. 
So mm-hmm. I decided not to renew my contract, and um, and so and Dr. Banks, you would know this. Most of the time, you got to give your employer a ninety day yeah ninety day notice. So my ninety yeah. day notice was about December January time, and again that was even before, that was before before COVID happened in March. But uh-huh. who would have thought that you know by me not not um by by me not renewing my contract and being home was what my my children and my family needed. Mm, so yeah. you know the you know like everyone else the the residency program adjusted life had to be adjusted but I had you know I had that time off to really spend time with Noel and it was during mm-hmm. one of those you know oh god dreaded virtual lessons. Mm, <laughs> mm, okay. I watched her and I watched from where we started to where she was now. You know, God laid in my heart, hey, why don't you write about her story? Why don't you write about her speech and language delay? And for me, what a more beautiful way to do so by writing a book and honoring Mm. her and other children like her. Mm. And at the same token, thanking parents that I've met along the journey. Mm. So, Mm. yeah, and as I, you know, the more and more I, I... started that project and, and giving it all and doing some research, I found so many interesting information about speech and language. Again, um, if you recall, I said I met a lot of parents during that journey. It mm-hmm. was kind of, what I was finding was um, it was kind of like a hidden thing. Not a lot of people talked about it, mm-hmm. but by now I had colleagues who I had been working for with at least two years that had children with language delays. You know, my, my goal was to, like I said before, to honor her, children like her, parents, but also to start that conversation. And if you'd allow me, you know, I'd like to share some of the facts that I've learned about speech. You know, um, mm-hmm. I read a study back in 2008. Speech okay. was, you know, it's a language deficit that's one of the most common childhood disabilities and affected one in 12 children or 5 to 8 percent of, of preschool children. That was 2008. 2010, the um, National Institute of Deafness and Other Communication Disorders found approximately 18.5 million individuals had speech, voice, and language disorder. Mm. 2012, I read a National Health Interview survey in which 8% of children ages 3 to 17 years old had a communication disorder that year. Children 3 to 6% years old were boys. Non-Hispanic black children were more likely to have a communication disorder compared to their peers. Mm. 2016, again, the National Institute on Deafness and um, Other Communication Disorders stated 6 to 8 million people in the United States had some kind of a language um, impairment. And in 8 to 9% of young children had, a prep, um, uh, again, a speech impairment disorder. And by first grade, 5% of the children had noticeable speech disorder. So this book has definitely evolved. It's taught me a lot, and I'm continuing to learn quite a bit. At what age was she, well, you know, like, of course, it's been 100 years since I've had kids, but yeah. um, uh-huh. I still remember Martin. Mm-hmm. And um, so were you having play dates? Were there play dates? How, how was she, you know, did you notice anything early on when she was having play dates with other little children? Was that when you first noticed it, or were things not so noticeable then? It was a combination of things. So, you know, I get to wear both my mommy hat and my physician's hat, right? Okay, yeah. So, and sometimes sometimes one overtakes the other. Right. Okay, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's that mommy instinct that you have 
that Vicky has, mm-hmm. that parental instinct, you know. But uh-huh. by 18 months, she wasn't quite meeting her developmental milestones. She wasn't quite talking. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I remember saying in passing to my husband, hey, should she not be talking some, you know, more? And then, you know, from 18 to 24 months, you know, I'm still that instinct, that burning instinct, like something isn't right. You know, I talk to, you know, close friends, family, my parents are like, oh, don't worry about it. She's okay. You know, she's, you know, just give, it'll be on her time. She'll talk, you know. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. by by two years old, um, I said, uh-uh, you know, let us get her evaluated. Uh-huh. We uh-huh. brought her to a... Um, speech language pathologist okay. did her test uh-huh. and she said, you know, you know what? Um, she's still a little young. Um, it's, it's a little young to tell, but you know, we'll keep an eye on her. So by two and a half years old, we, again, by that point we were here in Georgia, I had her reevaluated and, um, she was then diagnosed with expressive and receptive language disorder. So, oh. um, yeah. So when it comes to developmental milestones, it's, um, you know, I'd like to, you know, just touch upon that in, in hopes of educating some parents. So it's important that parents learn what these milestones are. So as a physician, of course, I, knew, I know what they are, but um, I'd like to share what those are. And, of course, early intervention is key. Yeah. So the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends that children be screened using standardized tools at months 9, 18, and 30, and for autism at 18. And 24. So, for example, from birth to five months, babies should be cooing, you know, laughing, giggling, crying. Six to 11 months, they should understand no. They start babbling, okay? Mm. Um, closer to 11 months, they should be saying mama or dada. Between 12 and 17 months, they should answer simple questions non-verbally. And they should be able to say two to three words to label a person or an object. And by 18 to 23 months, they should have a vocabulary of 50 words and should be able to use two-word phrases, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with every well child, whenever you bring your child to, you know, to see their pediatrician, two months, four months, six months, nine months, et cetera, parents are given or asked these developmental milestone checklist questions. And again, if any, it, it, it's a clue to tell us if your child is developing well. If that, you know, if that makes sense. You said, what, impressive? Or what, what was that term that you use for the so doctor? she has expressive. Expressive. So, okay. um, you know, you and I, and, you know, we don't think about speech, okay, or breaking down speech, okay? Okay. So speech, you know, you should be able to express what you, what, what you want to say, but okay. also receive that information when somebody talks to you. Okay. So, um, you know, at the beginning, you know, she was diagnosed and um, with both disorders, and and she was given a percentage. Mm. So we just had our um, our most recent appointment with her pediatric developmental specialist, and her percentages have gone quite significantly higher, and she's now comparable to her peers. So That's that was exciting news. It took a lot of work. Okay. <laughs> but um Um Sabine Sabine, not to get again too technical, is that temporal lobe or where in the brain, you know, I'm speaking as a physician, where exactly mm-hmm. in the brain is that because you know, we deal with expressive and receptive uh speech mm-hmm. when patients have strokes that are older. Mm-hmm. And um so in terms of that, so if you have to get a cat 
scan or MRI or any of that workup or anything initially from a medical standpoint? So no, no CAT scan is needed. So, you know, CAT okay. scans or, or imaging is a bit more um, invasive. Mm-hmm. So really, you know, it's um, a multidisciplinary evaluation, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So you start with the, with the checklist. Okay, and if there's an, uh, a milestone that's identified, identified as um, lagging, the mm-hmm. pediatrician, you know, makes a note and um, follows through. So for Noelle, it was mm-hmm. her speech. Okay. But then the next step was mm-hmm. um, having her see a, a SLP, a speech language pathologist, mm-hmm. and also a pediatric developmental specialist. So that mm-hmm. um, they are they are rare, but. They're, they're mm-hmm. out there. <laughs> okay. You know, and mm. so um, Dr. Weintraub, well-known in his field, so when he did a number of testing, so the testing um, composed of, you know, pictures, asking questions, okay. um, mm-hmm. and then there was a physical exam. You know, some of the pictures were, okay, what's different? You know, point, uh-huh. the, you know, point, point the girl, point the boy, you know, who's uh-huh. outside of the box. So it was just, um, you know, I, I can clearly remember that first assessment. Mm-hmm. My husband and I are behind a glass window. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Just, um, we have we have our headphones on, and Dr. Weintraub, mm-hmm. um, who's great with children, who's great with Noel, sat right next to her, just to give you guys a picture of what what that looks like. Yeah, and he mm-hmm. did he did his assessment. Now the assessment took about two hours or so, two and a half hours, I think, if I can remember. Wow, and then. And then he did um, a physical exam. So with any physical exam, you know, he checked for clues, like you said, Dr. D, um, Dr. Banks, um, you know, how well the brain is functioning, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. some of her physical growth motor skills were lagging. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. then, you know, he recommended occupational therapy. So that's mm-hmm. what I mean by multidisciplinary. Yeah. Nutrition. Uh-huh. Her pediatric developmental specialist, her SL, uh-huh. her speech pathologist, occupational therapy, yeah. <laughs> her yeah. teacher, uh-huh. and then us as her parents. Okay. So tell me, though, wow. then, with all of that, let's get to how did you feel? How did you guys feel as parents when all this stuff was going on? That's what I want to know. You know, some parents feel like they didn't do something right or they blame themselves? How, how did you feel with all this happening? I'm, I'm going to do my best to be vulnerable because, and hope, you know, like I said, I wear my mommy hat and my physician hat, right? So, you know, it's such a sensitive topic for us because mm-hmm. it was super scary. Super yeah. Scary because um, I can't tell you all how many times I've asked Dr. Weintraub, did I do something wrong? Mm-hmm. Did I not take care mm-hmm. of myself, you know, during, um, you know, when I prenatal, did I not have it, you know, mm-hmm. and he's, and he looked at me, he said, I want you to leave the guilt outside this door. Mm-hmm. You, know, mm-hmm. you know, there's nothing that you did that could, that caused it is what it is. We're going to deal with it. But mm-hmm. I think what was pivotal was our discussion with her, her first speech therapist, Ms. Um, Davis, who, I shouted her out in the book because SLPs or, you know, speech language pathologists, to me, they're our heroes. Uh, yeah. They are, they have truly, truly made an impact in both Noel's life and as well as us as parents. It wasn't until Ms. Davis sat us down in my living room. She came to my house, okay, and, and sat us in our living room and said, doctors, <laughs> Kristen and Sabine Barlatt, Mr. and Mrs. Sabine Barlatt, 
you know, we have to talk about the big elephant in the room. Mm. It was, is it autism? Is it, you know, um, you know, will she be a productive human being? Will she ever be uh -huh. able to talk? So all uh -huh. those scary things wrapped into this big elephant for us. My husband and I could not talk about it, even though we're both mm -hmm. in the medical field. Yeah. It was that difficult, you know, as parents, you love your kids, you love your children, you want nothing but the absolute best for them. As a matter of fact, you want them to be better than you, right? Right. So mm -hmm. the possibilities of Noelle not living a fulfilling, fulfilled life or with any disability was scary for us. So she, mm -hmm. you know, she held our hands and, and she said, we will meet her where she needs to be met and mm -hmm. we will take it one day at a time. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until then that I would say, you know, it was like a load off of our shoulders and, you know, and, and, and we've been, we've been working with her since then with, with Noelle. And like I said, she's just blossoming. Oh, that's fantastic. That's a great story. And I'm glad that, that you, is. I'm glad you captured it in the book. The book is beautiful. The, okay. the illustration, the colors. Oh, who did your illustration? <laughs> well, I work with a studio um, in India. So um, okay. this project has taught me, a, a whole lot of patience. <laughs> I worked with them and, you know, of course, with them being in India and the time difference. And as a self-published author, yeah. you know, you're, if you're not linked up with an actual publisher, you kind of have to piece this together. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, um, it started with the story. You know, I had a few close friends and family, you know, read it, tell me what you think. Then, it, you know, I had to find an illustrator Mm -hmm. um, and then I had to find a printing company. So it's, you know, what did I say? You know, I, the idea occurred to me around April of 2020, and it was finally published and launched this year in February 2021. Wow. But it's beautiful. Wow. And they and, and I, I like how that you, with the story, because I read it, and I read it out loud, like if I was reading it to one of my daughters and stuff, you know. And I said, you know, this is such a nice, easy book to read. It also really tells a um, a significant and deep story at the same time. So I think that yep. you captured both of that. You know what I mean? Appreciate it. Appreciate it. When I first started writing this book, you know, um, it was definitely about Noelle and speech and language delay. But it evolved into something way more, way more than I could have imagined. And I'm so grateful mm -hmm. so far for the for the process, for the journey, because, you know, when I launched it in February, you know, I and I and I made a and I, I sent a post or made a post on Instagram about it. And a young lady, you know, direct messaged me and she thanked me because that was my first person, you know, someone who I didn't know. You okay. know how exciting for it for self published office, right? Yes. Your first fan, you know, or, you know, um uh, critique. And she, she thanked me and she said, you know, um, not only, you know, it was so cool to see a book with her first name spelled the same way as her name. And, you know, and she had um, been diagnosed with dyslexia and she said how that impacted her life. And then, you know, as, as the book was getting a lot of, of feedback and attention, I had adults also reach out to me. So, so I think the cool thing about Noelle Finds Her Voice is you could erase the rep noel and put anyone's name right right so um uh, some adults you know colleagues of mine you know who's had you know um 
different speech impediments. One had slurred speech, and she, you know, she, she, um, she thanked me, and she said um, she became teary-eyed as she was reading it because she knew exactly what Noelle was experiencing because she had been in her shoes. You know, mm-hmm. I had another um, acquaintance tell me, you know, she had an, uh, an accent. So coming, you know, to America and living in America and speaking English, she had to, you know, work on her accent. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, these folks know the struggle and they know the highs mm-hmm. and they know the lows. Oh, I know. Because I have a personal story, too. And I was, I know about Smyrna, Georgia, Smyrna. (laughs) (laughs) I grew up in Atlanta. My grandmother, she raised me mostly, you know, my mother went back to school, this and that and the other. But, yeah, and I had to go to the speech therapist and the speech um, pathologist as well. My my hang-up was, was, uh, because even now I have to think, instead of staying street, I would say street. You know, and mm-hmm. and then my S's, I have to think twice with, there's certain words I have to hesitate and think, you know, so I can pronounce them right, even to this day. So I know, but hey, who would have thought that I got my degree and PhD in physiology that, that has all those big ass words. <laughs> <laughs> and, well, you know, I hope. Uh-huh. I was going to say a similar, similar thing happened with me and Mary. Mary, when she was going through, you remember Akiva here, um, she had uh, mm-hmm. some sort of reading impairment or something. You know, you put your doctor, you know, mm-hmm. they called mm-hmm. me on the phone. She was about second grade mm-hmm. and said that they were going to have to pull her out of mainstream reading because she was mm-hmm. behind. And I'm like, oh, my God, not my child, you know. And I went through exactly, exactly what you exactly. were talking about. What did I do? And mm-hmm. but I, knew I, wasn't mm-hmm. old, I knew I was an old mom. And I'm like, oh, my God, mm-hmm. you know, I was too old to have kids, whatever. Mm-hmm. So Mary mm-hmm. Banks did remedial reading for about, oh, five years. Mm-hmm. And Mary mm-hmm. Banks is a fellow in cardiology. At yes, yes. Yes. In that's what I'm uh, talking North about. Carolina. That's it. So mm-hmm. struggle is very real, but there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. So it's just I Absolutely. what what I had to come to grip was grip with was these people just like us, uh, Doctor Barlett and and Doctor Joe. They know what they're doing, just like we know what we're exactly. doing in our own industry. Yeah, you're that's right. The piece. Exactly. These people know what they're doing. They're trained to do it. And so mm-hmm. what I had to come to grips with was let them do what they do best. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And um, you hit it on the nail. As you guys are talking, you know, you all are at the end of it. You all have grown children. So that is what inspires you. Know, and that's what hope. And, and mm-hmm. that was one of the main reasons why I wanted to publish this book is to give other parents hope because I can tell you right now, mm-hmm. for you, you ladies can attest to this, at the beginning, you are scared. You are, you know, mm-hmm. you, yeah. you're, you're the, the unknown, you know. So, mm-hmm. you know, sure. I remember, and again, it's just to be vulnerable and hopefully share with you. I'm sure some of the viewers may have had similar experiences when, you know, when we moved to Georgia, you know, we didn't know anyone. We didn't have any family. So we had, um, this was second day here, we put Noel in a Montessori school. Mm-hmm. Montessori, uh-huh. you know, in, um, in general, they have a good reputation, mm-hmm. um, but it's uh-huh. more self-learning. Mm-hmm. And yeah. come to find out, it, it wasn't the right fit for Noel. So 
she wasn't able to communicate with that with me. And so every day, y'all, for about three or four months, mm-hmm. every time I dropped her, she would scream bloody murder. Mm. Oh. You would, you would, I would be outside oh. hear her screaming. And I, oh. you know, because I didn't know, I was like, yeah, you know, you know, it's her. But it was her way of telling me, mommy, I don't want to go to this school. <laughs> right. It was, yeah. you know, when I look, when I, when I dissect that experience some more and I think it through, it occurred to me that it was just not the right fit for her. And, and I was right. going to work in tears. Can you imagine the guilt? And, and, you know, I have to work and my child is screaming her eyes off. But, uh-huh. you know, it's finding the right fit and being patient with the process. Because you said your daughter it took five years. So you know, yeah. um, you know, we pulled yeah. Noel yeah. out of out of out of that school, and we got now she's at a Christian school, and but the teachers they they've come they 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 like each other, I, you know. So whether it's public school, Christian school, Montessori school, whatever, you know, you gotta find you gotta meet your kid where she need, where he or she needs to be met, right. and you gotta have you gotta have the team to support you, and so. Her teachers and her, they mesh well. They understand each other, you know. Mm. So we decided to keep Noel back from kindergarten. So that school has a junior kindergarten. So guess what? You know, it's giving her the time to get it right, right? Instead of us figuring out when she's eight, we decided at the very beginning, let's just take it slow. And um, Mm -hmm. we are, you know, we should be starting um, kindergarten in the fall. We're excited okay. about it. Okay. Um, you know, you guys, like I said, y'all are my inspiration. Well, listen, I am so proud of you writing a a wonderful book. Yeah. Isn't that great? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. How many people are you going to inspire and encourage? Mm -hmm. You know, just like we're sitting around here. I feel like, I feel like this is the red table. Yes. Because you probably you wouldn't have known that about Mary. You wouldn't have known that about no. Vicky until mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. come to the table and then you realize exactly. wow, you're not alone. I've been you're I've not been alone. sharing I've been I, you're mm-hmm. not alone. You're people not alone. Talk oh, no. about it mm-hmm. for whatever reason people just don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And um at the beginning of our conversation I think I said that mm-hmm. I was finding that it was like a hidden secret. Like not mm-hmm. a lot of folks were sharing that. Mm-mm. But from the no. find out it's 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 prevalent. It's very prevalent. Yeah. Right. Um, so but we it, had our own red table talk today. Yes, we have. <laughs> yes, we have. <laughs> but it, it's somehow that that does linger on that whole, you know, growing up and having to go. And because, you know, I can still see myself or how those feelings come up or how I felt mm-hmm. being called out of the room. It's time for me to go right. to see the right. teacher. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Yeah. But. All of us get through it, and exactly. we move on to 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 have our lives and stuff. So yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it's it's, it's okay. important too to have great parents. See, grandmother was on my grandmother was on it. Exactly. You're on it. Doctor D's on it. Yeah, mm-hmm. everybody has something different, and that's something. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. There you go. But don't ignore your instincts, ladies. Don't I mean? And, and yeah, you know, don't to encourage your your listeners to not ignore their instincts you know you're not crazy (laughs) 
Yeah, there's uh, there's something, yeah. And, and or not an overly or not an overly whatever mother, you know, exactly assign that to you. You know, you're overly hell I mean um, not a that. helicopter yeah, helicopter is more when you're <laughs> helicopter more when kids get older, but whatever that uh-huh. is when they're younger, uh-huh. you're not that. Right. You're it's real. <laughs> it is real. It's real. Yeah, so before we end this, this is a great conversation. We can keep talking about this, you know. I know. Yes, and your book, at least for your book, Noel Finds Her Voice. When we read the book, when we read your book, Noel Finds Her Voice, can you name at least three things that you want us, when we read your book, to take away from this book? Definitely, and, you know, I think I've, I've um, hammered on this several times is the first thing is, um, you know, don't ignore your instincts, number one. If it's something don't feel right, questioning anything, investigate it, look into it. Number two, um, creating your team. So every kid is different and their family needs are also different. So customize your team to fit your family's needs. So, you know, for myself, I've mentioned it already. We have her teacher, her pediatrician, her specialist, um, her speech pathologist, okay, and myself, um, Chris and I. And, you know, I say that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm their advocate, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know, and last but not least, hope and love. It was such a, a, a scary journey to start on, okay? But hope, I mean, you know, meeting parents who were at the end, such as yourself, in the middle, um, you know, they provided me with resources, shared their experiences, their highs, their lows, um, which kind of helped me and, and my husband along the way and gave us hope. Mm-hmm. And I say love, you know, love your child and advocate on behalf of your child. Do what's best for your child. So those would be the three takeaways. That's just fantastic. This has been great. Absolutely uh, great. And thank bravo you. Thank you. Thank I'm you. Happy. Thank I was you. so happy to see you this morning on YouTube. Like I said, it just brought back memories of reading Rainbow and what a wonderful way uh-huh. to get the book uh-huh. out there. But he was great in reading it. Yes, yes. And so folks can find your book where on Amazon? So for now, of course, you know, so um, for now, my book is being sold through Amazon, and I am waiting for a big shipment <laughs> from, the, from the printing company. So folks will be able to buy directly from me um, and buy hard copies, but for now, it is on Amazon. Type in Noelle Finds Her Voice, but um, you can find me, like I said, through my website or on Instagram. My Instagram handle is um, Sabine Barlat, and also on Facebook. All right, Dr. Sabine Barlot. Yes, we are so glad to hear from you. And yes, and so proud of you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. I miss you all. Thank you. Thank you, ladies, for just you know, you giving so me this welcome. opportunity. Now, this is our show, D. Do you have some tips that we should think about? Oh, this is great. You know, it was so inspiring to hear. I'm so, we're so proud of Dr. Barlett, who was here before they moved down to Georgia. But I think a couple of things to take away. Number one, you know, your instincts, your mother's instincts never fail. Mm-hmm. And number two, you know, if you see something like that or you, you are, your, your suspicions are high, index suspicions are high, get your child 
some help early. Because, mm-hmm. you know, you and I were saying and so forth, early intervention, mm-hmm. early intervention can make a significant difference. And, you know, again, just continue to do those kinds of things for your child to open up opportunities for improvement. And you have to stay on people. You have to, you have to stay on teachers, too. You know? Yeah, that's it. It was great. I, I was just, it was absolutely fantastic. So kudos to her. Kudos to her. And then her, the book is so, you can read it so easily. It has beautiful pictures. It is. The illustrations yeah. are great. Yes. It's a wonderful book. Yes, I'm so glad that she got a chance to come on our show. And yes, I love how she, you know, really talked about she and her honey sweet, her husband, how they were like typical parents. You're scared, you know. Yeah. Yeah, And for your child, you want the best for your child. But then they were able to let go and just what? Just let things happen and be there for her and so for the child and so do what they do yeah let the people do what they do the speech pathologists the experts do what they do the experts that's it and so yeah i want folks to go and check out the book her book is on amazon noel finds her voice she has her website as well dr sabine balat and so yeah go check her out and I'm just so glad that she came on the show today. It was great. Me too. Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. And as always, for more information, go to our website, vickidofitness.com. And remember, if you have any questions, comments, or just something to say, tweet us, email us, go on Facebook, and share with us your thoughts. You've been listening to It's All About Health and Fitness with Dr. Vicki Hayward-Doe and Dr. Virginia Banks-Bright. Vicki Doe is owner of Vicki Doe Fitness, a multimedia health and wellness forum, a place to discuss, learn, and participate in healthy living. You can get in touch with Vicki by email at info at vickidofitness.com.